today we, uh, we've made our stewardship commitments. If you have not done, though, I, I would ask you to pray about doing that. Either mail your card in or bring it by the office. And as we give our tithes and offerings, uh, whenever we do that, you know, we're really not just supporting a budget. Uh, I like to call it a financial plan for ministry because it, it, it encapsules our vision for what we want to do in ministry. And it always takes that money to drive that vision so it becomes a reality. So when we're talking about our, our budget or our financial plan of ministry for, for next year, 2016, uh, what we give on a week-by-week basis is what allows us to be able to financially fulfill our vision. And here's what we looked forward to in 2016, uh, that we will continue to invest in sharing the gospel message with those in our world, our nation, and in our community. This is our mission commitment, that we literally can give our money and influence people around the world. Um, we do so through giving in the cooperative program through the Metro Association, uh, through Vacation Bible School that we uh, do each year, and that's a wonderful turnout for that, through our community outreach events like the Boondocks that you saw on the screen, and then uh, through Christa Gunnell's ministry like Inside Out, and many other opportunities for that. We also want to encourage our family of faith, that's a church family, the members here at Spring Valley, to a greater sense of community, spiritual maturity, and participation in the life of the church. And we want to do that through Bible study and discipling groups for all ages, through our music and media uh, ministries, which encourage us to communicate the beauty and imagination and emotion of this awesome God of ours. And then we want to invest in the necessary resources to minister to a greater percentage of people in Northeast Columbia. And by doing that, we want to maintain our church campus and our buildings so that they reflect the glory of God. And then we want to support our pastoral ministries through the growth of our ministry and support staff. And then we want to continue with the uh, outreach methods that we can use, uh, such as community events, uh, direct mail outs, all those things, uh, any kind of form of advertising uh, that hopefully will attract people to Spring Valley Baptist Church. And all of this is under the uh, umbrella of the theme for 2016 budget entitled The Power of Generosity. Uh, and during that budgeting time, I was reading through some of the Psalms, and it just so happened that when I was reading through th Psalm 37, I came to this phrase in verse 21 that says, the righteous give generously. So we asked the question there, who are the righteous who are to give generously? Well, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you committed your life to him, then you're part of the righteous because you were made righteous in the sight of God through what Jesus did for you and your belief in that in the cross experience. You know, his blood is sacrificed for you and your sins. And as you confess your faith in him, then you are made righteous in the sight of God. And we of all people, believers in Jesus Christ, who have a relationship with God, who are blessed by God, who is generous to us in every way, then we of all people should be generous in our giving as we give to the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. And that leads us to our scripture today, a piece of uh, advice from uh, wisdom literature many, many years ago in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 11, two verses, verses 24 and 25. Listen to these words. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Uh, those are powerful words. 
And they really run counterculture to the culture in which we live today. Because they're saying you withhold, you come to poverty. You give generously and you are blessed in abundance. Now I think it reminds us once again that generosity should be the very foundation of a life that has been blessed by God and that wants to give back to God and to His glory. And if you don't have a good attitude about that and about the money and how God wants you to give it back to Him, then I think you need to look at your spiritual condition. But very quickly this morning, in the time that remains, I want us to look at three reasons that I think all the teaching about giving and about managing money and handling material resources for the glory of God can be summed up in these three reasons as to why uh, we should give generously to the glory of God. Okay? Here's the first one. Generosity is necessary for us to become spiritually mature. See, if you have a, a, if you're spiritually immature... And whenever the church talks about money and asks you to make a commitment and reminds you of how you're supposed to give, you don't feel good about that. You say things like, the church shouldn't be telling me how to spend my money. That, that, you know, I don't, I don't think this church should be talking about money. It talks about money all the time. Well, that's not true here. We don't talk about it all the time. But that reflects an attitude of spiritual immaturity. I, I have never known anybody that I knew who was spiritually mature who had any problem with giving the tithe talking about stewardship, giving a stewardship testimony, giving to any uh, financial offering that we ask for, and especially like the building funds, capital needs, all of those kinds of things. But I think I have discovered that those who complain about it, whine about it, are those who are immature in their spiritual development. Now, if you go back through and you trace uh, the birth of the church and its movement and its impact in the culture in which it was birthed, you will find that one of the things that was characteristic of the church that was uh, described in the book of Acts that was so contrary to what was going on in the culture was generosity. The people in that community around that church of believers saw how generous they were. They would sell their possessions and give to the poor to support widows and orphans and others who were, who were less blessed than they were. And that was a powerful influence and testimony of the church about how they loved Jesus Christ and how they wanted to share those blessings that he had given to them. Uh, Randy Alcorn is an author, and uh, one of his books is The Treasure Principle, and he talks about stewardship and money. And he talks about it this way. He says, if Christ is not Lord over our money and possessions, then he is not our Lord. That makes sense, doesn't it? If, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, is he? See, and he goes on to say, I have never seen a mature Christian who was, who was also not a mature steward. Giving is a part of growing. You see, it works this way. Because we've been blessed, we give. And when we give, we are blessed in return. God has blessed us with the resources in our life out of which we make a living, provide for our needs, and out of that then we give to God. And every time we do that, it builds a faith relationship that's stronger as we relate to God. He continues to bless us. He continues to pour out blessings in our life. We trust Him more and more. We make better financial decisions. And it shows to us that we're growing in maturity in our spiritual life the more generous we are in giving back to the glory of God. I didn't realize it because I don't follow the liturgical calendar that much, but a lot of guys I was following on Twitter yesterday reminded us all who follow them that yesterday not only was Halloween, but it happened to be Reformation Day. And that's the day of celebrating 
uh, our past when Martin Luther made some of his bold statements and moved us out of, into the Reformed movement. And you know, that's when he nailed the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. Uh, one of the guys tweeted out that he was giving out candy. Ed Stetzer was Lifeway, and he said, well, I think I just nailed 95 Reeses to the door. <laughs> he, he was giving out candy. Well, we had an experience last night where nobody comes in Tallowood to, to trick-or-treat, so we went across town to Lexington, Emily Ann and Phillips' house, and after we ate, then they go out to go trick-or-treat. And they said, come on and go with us. Get a cup of coffee and go with us. I said, no, somebody's got to stay here and give out the candy. So I stayed in the house, and every time the doorbell rang or they knocked at the door, I, I went out and I gave them candy. And every time I would throw it in the bag like that, I would see certain things in my hand. There was candy. I said, no, that looks good. And I'd shut the door, and I opened it, and I ate it. So by the end of the night, yeah, even Kathy Wood's brother came by. Yeah, with, with grandkids, wasn't it? Yeah, he came by with his kids and all that out there. So we got to see him. I said, by the end of the night, I felt like I had eaten 95 Reese's. And that might look like it. But Martin Luther was the one many, many years ago who talked about spiritual maturity this way. He talked about the fact that uh, there, he had this concept of the third conversion. He said the first conversion takes place in our mind when you make the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. He said the second conversion takes place in your heart when your heart is filled with a passionate love for Jesus Christ. And he said then the third conversion took place when your pocketbook was transformed. Because when your pocketbook was transformed and your finances were given over to God and his priorities, then you were thoroughly converted. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity, isn't it? See, our attitude about money reflects the depth of our spiritual maturity. And generosity is a key lifestyle ingredient in allowing us to come to spiritual maturity. Now, here's the second reason that we should give generously. And that is generosity allows us to overcome our selfish nature. You see, generosity goes not only against the culture of today, but it goes against our own nature. You see, by nature, we are not generous people because we are more concerned about self-preservation. We're always concerned about that, aren't we? Will I have enough? Is this going to be enough? You look at your retirement and what the stock market's been doing lately, your retirement funds, and you say, you know, is this going to be enough so we can make it through retirement? I hope Social Security lasts and it holds out and pays, you know. You say, is this enough? If we buy this house, do we have enough income to be able to buy the house, support, uh, support the house with uh, repairs and insurance and maintenance and all those things, and take care of our other bills in life? If we buy this car, is it enough money to cover that and then still meet all of our other needs? At least if you're mature in handling money, you think about those things. But see, we're more concerned about self-preservation, just a little bit more. Doesn't matter how much money we have, we always say, if I had just a little bit more, I would feel safer. So the bottom line is we have to learn generosity. We have to learn to be generous. I think we got an amusing uh, video. Hopefully it will help you understand that concept. All of us are like Dudley. We've got to learn generosity because we, we always deal with the fear of not having enough, don't we? Uh, and, and we've been conditioned that way. We are a nation of hoarders. According to the Self-Storage Association, 
we now have 1.9 billion square feet of personal storage space here in the United States outside of the homes. Um, that's a 25% increase over, I mean, 75% increase over the number of self-storage spaces since 1995. Just look around, drive around the town of Columbia, everywhere. You see these self-storage units that are popping up all over the place. And the amazing thing that stuck with me is that one out of every 11 homes has a, a self-storage space somewhere. And the reason for it is, is we've been conditioned to get all you can, keep all you can, and the one who dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus taught us the opposite. He taught us to make what we can and give away what we should. And that's just contrary to our nature. I don't know whether we're born selfishly or not, but I think we have to be reborn for our spirituality to have a generous side to it. And generosity is not just about throwing money away. We talked about that last week. You need to have a plan as to where you're going to give it. Not just spending it generously and with no accountability behind it. But we're talking today about being generous with the kingdom of God and giving to his glory. And, and, and generosity is really more about our heart and our mind, about determining how and where we will spend God's money than it is about how much. You see, money promises us the things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. And a lot of people still think that they can find those things in money, but it's not to be found there. Only in a relationship with God. And that's why we need to handle our money carefully, but at the same time, loosely. Because we're supposed to be generous. Now, how does that play out in most Southern Baptist churches? Uh, Larry Burkett was a, a, a Christian financial money manager planner uh, who worked with Southern Baptist Post before his death a few years ago. And here's some statistics that, um, that he gives to us. First of all, he said that how Christians and non-Christians manage and spend their money is almost identical. Hardly any difference between them at all. Then he looked at Southern Baptist churches about the average way that people give, and he said 37% who attend church three times a month give nothing to the church. That's alarming, isn't it? Only 3% of Southern Baptists actually tithe. That's give the full 10%. And in most churches, when a giver over the age of 60 dies or moves away, it takes two people under the age of 40 to replace them. So, you know, when we're talking about money and the kingdom of God, we're talking about the fact that God expects us to give our money back to him the way he tells us to in the Bible. And the reason for it is twofold. One is it proves our faith, develops our faith, matures our faith, shows our faith. The other is it provides the necessary money for expanding the kingdom of God. And we make, we make no apologies about that. The Bible teaches us a tremendous amount about money and financial resources, how to make it, how to save it, Invest it, how to spend it, all for the glory of God. So generosity overcomes our selfish nature. Now here's the third reason we should give generously, and that's because generosity is blessed generously. That's what our scripture today from Proverbs 11 said. 
One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes in poverty. A generous man will prosper. You see, that, that's given to us many, many places in the Scripture. That when we obey God, follow His principles, then He promises to bless us, and we'll bless generously. Uh, the Bible says things like this, The man who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, you've got to notice how that works. We give first, and then God blesses us. We give, God blesses us. And what we always want to say is, you go first, God, and then I'll go. And God's already gone first because he blesses us. All of us in here have been blessed. Various levels of blessing, various degrees, but we've all been blessed. And God has gone first. And then he says, and we have that favorite verse familiar for us about tithing in Malachi 3.10, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's now the church. This is your storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So tithing is giving back to God 10%. You're giving back that 10%. And tithing is not really being generous. That's being obedient. You become generous when you give beyond the 10%, the tithe. And so we need to learn that concept about all of that. Now, here, look at another quick video. It shows the difference about giving out resources and hoarding, okay, quickly. Here's a story of two seas, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee receives its water from the Jordan River and is a conduit of water flow, constantly giving and receiving water. It is teeming with fish, plants, and animals. The Dead Sea also receives its water from the Jordan River, but because it is 1,400 feet below sea level, it just doesn't flow back out again. It just stays there. This stagnancy causes a 35% salt content that makes the water so thick and harsh that it cannot sustain life except bacteria. The Dead Sea definitely lives up to its name. Sometimes it just pays to give rather than receive. I thought it was a pretty uh, neat analogy between the uh, Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea receives all those blessings, everything that comes to it, but nothing flows out, and so it dies. But on the other hand, the Sea of Galilee, the water flows into it, it flows on down, it passes it along. Same thing with us. You know, we get many blessings poured into our life. We hold on to them, we don't pass them along, we aren't generous with our money towards God and His kingdom, then we don't experience the blessings. You know, we have a negative attitude. We've got a critical attitude. We've got an immature attitude about money. But on the other hand, if we are very generous with our money according to what God leads us and guides us to do with that, then the more we give, the more we're blessed, and the more we receive back in the way of blessings. Not always financially, but we always do receive blessings. So as we draw this to a close, I want to ask you to consider the power of generosity. If every one of us would tithe and to simply be obedient to the 10%, Think about what we could do for the glory of God. Think about what we could do for the kingdom of God here and around the world.
while we could probably more than double our budget. That means more money goes to missions. More money goes to missions around the world. More money goes to missions locally. We probably could add more staff to help lead us in some more ministries and, and, and uh, leadership issues around the life of this community so we could reach more of this community and have a greater impact on that. Let's think about the power of generosity if every one of us gave the way that God asked us to give. Think about that potential. And thank you if you've made a stewardship commitment today. If you haven't done so yet, I want to ask you to pray about doing that. You can fill out your commitment card, mail it in, bring it by the office, or place it in the offering plate next week or the next coming weeks. It doesn't matter. And then if you've never done so, I want to ask you to pray about the tithe and being willing to trust God by giving back to him obediently and faithfully the 10%. Father, we thank you that you're a God who blesses us abundantly and you provide for us in so many, so many ways. We know that we are blessed generously and as a result of that, sometimes we have become selfish and taken things into our own hand as to how we manage money instead of managing it for your glory. And Father, we, I pray today that we would be a people who would be one who would recognize the blessings you have given to us and that we would be faithful to give back to you the way you asked for it and that beyond that we would be generous for the growth and expanse of your kingdom. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.